Welcome to the eSuccess Methods Podcast with Jacob and Aaron, your weekly dose of tips and tricks to achieve excellent performance in your business and career. Join us as we explore deeper into the practical worlds of Lean, Six Sigma, project management, and design thinking. In this episode number 178, Jacob reviews the process of gathering design requirements within the Agile framework in part one of this user stories series. If you're just tuning in for the first time, find all our back episodes on our podcast table of contents at esuccess-methods.com. If you like this episode, be sure to click the like link in the show notes. It's easy. Just tap our logo, click, and you're done. Tap, click, done. Here we go. Hey, Aaron, how are you? Jacob, I'm doing great. How are you? I kind of feel weird already, but you know. (laughs) (laughs) It's all right. So uh, topic for today is about requirements gathering. And, uh, and, And, you know, let's give a little bit of context on why did this come into play or how did this discussion come into play. In general... Uh, maybe between projects or maybe between a product development or maybe anything that you're doing, uh, trying to understand what are we doing and why are we doing becomes very, very critical and important. Mm-hmm. And uh, sometimes it's a lost art. And uh, especially nowadays with the whole transition towards thinking of user stories and thinking of uh, aspects in that angle, a lot of people are confused. What does this mean? How does this work? And what do I have to change myself? So uh, I kind of put this together mainly just to have some discussion on what does this actually even mean? Right. So uh, a little bit of context. The We've done quite a bit. I don't know if we've done requirements, quote unquote, gathering already, but we have done a lot on you know, breaking down the work when you know you have a large bulk of work to do and work breakdown. But we've done that in a, in a waterfall mindset and Agile and well, design actually really um, takes a different approach, right? And that's mm-hmm. that's I think it's important to understand how. Okay, now I I know waterfall. Uh, I understand how work gets broken down for that. How do we do this in this other man in this other manner? Yeah, man, that's a that's a good way to look at it. So. So typically, you know, I mean, and and I'd like to play a scenario out here, and mm. so let's see how what we would do. Typically, um, if you think of it, in many cases, a whole bunch of people will talk to a business analyst or the business analyst will go and talk to a whole bunch of people and say, oh, here's what they're looking for. I've translated everything the customer wants, and this is what they need. So the here's an example. The business analyst wrote, uh, product should have a steel body. Okay. The product you're going to build should have four wheels. All right. The product you're having should have rubber attached to the wheel and the product that you're building should also have multi-speed transmission. All right. right. This is everything what the customer wants. Sounds pretty standard. Yeah. Please go build it. Got it. What are you going to build? Build a car. Yeah. You got a steel body, four wheels, rubber attached to the wheel and multi-speed transmission. Mm -hmm. So you, you would have built a car. Now, when I, when I ask this question, I get a lot of, you know, creative, inventive ideas. Uh, I've I've heard of skateboards with gears. <laughs> I've, cool. heard, I've heard of uh, you know a dune buggy. I've heard of tractor. I've heard of so many different ideas that can happen. But if this requirements were given to the team without any clarification, you're leaving it up to interpretation on what this product can be. Yeah, I wanted to go with robot, but um... yeah, you could do that too. <laughs> Or the driverless car now. You know, right. you could build that. So a lot of different options, right? Now, 
if this was the same requirements, if I wrote it in a slightly different way, and if I write it in the way, as a user, I want to mow my lawn quickly and easily. Hmm. And another requirement, as a user, I want to be comfortable while mowing my lawn. If I gave you just these two, what would you build now? Well, you know, with the context of what I had before, I'm thinking, you know, they'd be really awkward to, to strap a, a mower deck to my car. But really what you're talking about is some, well, maybe in the spirit, of, it, it is a lawnmower, but yeah. in the spirit of it, I mean, my brain is already going to a riding tractor. Is is that too far? No, it's not. Okay. But but I think the difference was you you went to most likely towards the area what the customer actually wanted. Right. And uh, so what was the difference now? You know, in the earlier case, you got very four distinct requirements, steel body, four wheels, rubber attached to the wheels, and multi-speed transmission. I'm guessing in order to build whatever you are going to build, a.k.a. the lawnmower, you might still need to have some of these clarifications in there. Mm -hmm. Besides that, what's the difference between the first set of statements you got and the second set of statements that you got? Well, the first one didn't specify a cutting speed. I think that would have given it away. Um, but even still, that over-specifies, that over-specifies the design based off of what currently is out there doing that same work. Exactly. Right. And, and, yeah, and, and I think how I think of this mainly is the first set of statements is basically telling you how to build it. Right. Oh, yeah, exactly, yeah. It's somebody else designing it and saying, you just give us some, you just do it the way we said. Exactly. Mm -hmm. You know, here, here's what I want you to build, and here's he, – they're not even saying here's what I want you to build. Here's how you should build this. Here's all the go, components. Go here's, do it. <laughs> right. Specif you know? It's specifications, essentially, engineering yeah. specifications. Yep. And uh, the poor person who has to build this product has no idea what, why that needs to happen. Mm -hmm. uh, whereas in the second case – it was more of, hey, this is the experience that the person is having currently, and this is what they are looking for. Uh, that's what's explained, right? So I want to mow my lawn quickly and easily. That's what they're looking for. Right. Or they want to be comfortable while mowing the lawn. Now, you heard it as, now comes the question, what does comfortable mean? Is that sitting down? Is that having some shock absorbers or pads while I'm walking with it? Mm -hmm. Is that sitting in my lawn chair and me yes, having a, a remote control and I, controlling it while I'm sitting over there? I think it is, yes. <laughs> yeah. so, so, Or is it just truly an automated machine that can do everything itself? It means, oh. it means having it lightweight and small <laughs> enough so my kids can do it. <laughs> yeah, but that's different, right? That's now a different discussion. At least the context is there on what they are looking for. Mm -hmm. Whereas in the first case... Nobody has any idea on why and what. That's really the difference of translating things into user story. So the representation of the what and the why versus how it needs to be built is what's usually referred to as a user story. You are listening to E6S Methods Podcast, brought to you by E6S Industries. Join us on our website at www.e6s-methods.com. Journey through success. Did you know E6S Industries delivers custom training? We'll customize a program to meet your unique continuous improvement needs. 
where also experienced keynote and motivational speakers to professional organizations and universities. Contact us on our website, www.esuccess-methods.com, and let us help you chart your journey through success. So I, um, I'm reminded a little bit of a, of a, as an engineer in the aerospace, we had specified basically brand new equipment, roughly $3 million a piece, maybe more. Uh, and essentially what it did is replicate 15-year-old equipment, uh, robotics and, and all that. It's highly automated. And the only thing that was up, upgraded was the software systems. And you know, looking back, after we got everything installed and we learned more about what other options were available, we looked at this and we said, wow, we could have we could have done this for half the price. Uh, ha- uh, it would have been more flexible. It would have taken up a lot less space if we had not just specified it off of an existing solution, but if we had maybe let the people who knew how to design these things, you know, come up with us, come up with us, uh, a, a design essentially, rather yep. than just saying, make it look like that thing over there because that's our best one. And it's been working for 15 years. It was, or, or, or that's what everyone's comparing to. So let's try to mimic that and get that market. Let's just make it cheaper than that. Right. And, and that's what happens a lot of times. And, and I think, you know, when you think about it, this is where, when you have somebody who is more of a visionary or when you have somebody who is thinking beyond what is the user looking for, which is, you know, and, and we all make fun of this, right? 15 years ago, uh, if somebody said, I need a phone that doesn't have a keypad, you would be laughed at. Mm-hmm. And or I need I need I need a way to walk around with my music <laughs> that's that's uh, doesn't have any wires connected to it. Uh that would also be, or I need to be listened to music, but I don't want to have any wires around me. That would sound ridiculous. Right. So it's having that requirement put up and then challenging the team to say, let's find a solution for it. That's really what you're looking for um, with user stories. So, which makes it interesting, right? So what is truly a user story? If you look at it, what would you think are components in a user story? Not even components. What should be a user story, actually? Well, I guess it's really what you want the um, outcome to be, what you want the, whatever the solution is, what you want it to do. Yep. Right? That's exactly. It's the functionality or feature that it will deliver. That's what you're looking for. Now, what are we calling them? Why are they called user stories? Do you know any history on that one? Uh, you know, I haven't dug enough into that. Okay. But I think it's more of what is, at the end of the day, it's what is a user trying to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know why the story name came, but it's more focused on the user, right? What is the user wanting? They they seem rather straightforward when you look at it, and it's um and I'm guessing it's deceptively simple. What are some ways that people sort of botch these up? It's intended to be simple, and to be honest, uh, it's essentially trying to move away from the 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 olden days of let's write a 150 page requirements document and hand it over to the designer so that he or she can design the appropriate product or design the appropriate thing that needs to be built for this it's trying to get away from that and clearly just have a one-liner or a two-line statement um, or a list of statements that way for all the functionality they're looking for and why Mm -hmm. or what they're trying to do with it and how will it how will it benefit them and then the rest of it is up to discussion or left to interpretation and negotiation between the people who have to build this and the person who is translating the user's needs. That's why 
you know, one of the things I say, I use a story is it's uh, it's more human than a technical spec document mm-hmm. or a technical requirements document. It should basically force the people who are going to build this to have a conversation. And uh, some of the details in the story or some of the in, in, a, in the agile world, they call it acceptance criteria. So for this story to be considered done, what are the minimum things that's necessary to consider it closed? Mm-hmm. Uh, they call that acceptance criteria. Uh, what is it? Ne- uh, what should be the acceptance criteria for this particular story? Um, that that evolves, and that might also necessitate uh, the the story to be maybe rewritten or adjusted in order to make sure it still delivers what it's supposed to deliver. So, as I'm looking at these user stories, I'm just imagining how people would. Uh, you know, they may may go through the motions, but they don't capture the spirit of user stories. And um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna change this second one a little bit. You say right now, you say as a user, I want to be comfortable while mowing my lawn. Mm-hmm. I could say as a user, I want my lawnmower to have a comfortable seat. Yep. So does that that seems like it defeats the spirit of user stories? Exactly. So uh, it 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 doesn't, right? So this is where having an appropriate person who knows what the user is saying and translating it into something that makes broader sense gives the leeway to the team to understand that. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's where it becomes very, very critical. The difference is you might say, I want a comfortable seat. I might say, um, you know, I wish I didn't feel as many bumps when I was uh, walking around with my lawnmower. I wish it had shock absorbers. Mm -hmm. Somebody else might say, you know, there might there needs to be some padding on the handles because it's kind of rough when it you know it scratches my hand. Um, all these things could be different people giving requirements uh, or different people giving feedback, mm-hmm. not necessarily requirements, giving feedback. And now it's up to the person, uh, in many cases, the product manager, to translate that into say what is truly the customer looking for, and then let's put it in a way that captures that, and then you know. The, the complexity of, okay, if you really need to sit down and do this, Aaron, the size is going to be about five times more than the walking mower. Do we want to go that route? Mm-hmm. Or do we actually think that adding some features like X, Y, and Z is sufficient? So that's the kind of get into one when you're starting to you know understand what this is trying to say. So, so you, you mentioned that it's the the product manager who's usually responsible for making these requirements translations into user stories? Uh, in most cases. I mean, I, I don't want to, I don't want to say it's just the product manager at the end of the day. It's somebody who has the interaction a lot with the customer who is, who is listening to them, who is getting feedback from them. I usually say that's the person mm-hmm. that's best for it. It doesn't always have to be. Ideally it can be anyone. So I'm thinking a little bit outside the box here in, in, in the spirit of the user stories, or uh, you should be able to, um, you, you're already boxed in to say, for, for instance, if, if uh, customers come to your company and you draft user stories based on their needs, what if you know, their needs are so open that it could be solved by something that's outside of what you do in your company? So... Is there some way that you're, you know, within the scope of what we do in our company, our user story needs, our user needs these? Hmm. Interesting. 
Thanks for listening to episode 178 of the eSuccess Methods podcast. Stay tuned for episode 179, Agile Requirements Gathering User Stories, Part 2. Don't forget to click like or dislike for this episode in the show notes. Tap click done. If you have a question, comment, or advice, leave a note in the comment section or contact us directly. Feel free to email me, Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at esuccess-methods.com or on our website. We reply to all messages. If you heard something you like, then share us with a friend or leave a review. Didn't like what you heard? Join our LinkedIn group and tell us why. Don't forget you can find notes and graphics for all shows and more at www.e6s-methods.com. 